0: wv stands for the great state of west virginia and every quarter we cover something in west virginia stacy and myself jr are your hosts so please come along for this venture to uncommon place
1: welcome to west virginia uncommonplace we are back again astrology 101 part two I have with me Lisa, Lisa Snyder, and she is here to start back up where we left off. And I believe, if I'm correct, we left off. We're about to start talking about the sun. Is that correct?
2: No, real quickly. Cover the sun and all the planets.
1: Okay, now real quick, Lisa, please. Uh, just in case, because we have that that four or five listeners that probably won't listen to the first part and might get the second part. You never know how people are and with the holidays and stuff coming up. Could you reintroduce yourself and tell everybody on why you're here and, and what you do real fast?
2: Okay, all right. So I'm Lisa Schneider and I am a professional astrologer. I have been studying astrology and loving astrology since I was 14 years old. I am now a too old to even tell you i was born in 75 so i'm a gen xer and i absolutely fell in love with astrology many many years ago and it's now just part of my life it's ingrained in my blood
1: okay now now here's here's my question so you were born in 1975 i was born in 1985 was 1985 a great year for you
2: 1985 1985 um oh yeah i think i was what i was 10 years old and i was just getting into the music and the pop culture and the punks and i loved prince and the revolution and olivia newton john and that was me in 1985 a little rebellious uh 10 year old
1: hey, okay okay now, let's dig back into these signs. We're going back to the, we're going back actually to the planets. So we're going to the sun. Please tell us about that because this, that's what these planets are interesting to me.
2: Oh, the planets are fantastic. So we're going to start off with what most people understand astrology to be is the sun. So the sun is the giver of life and it represents our consciousness in astrology. It represents our will to live and our creative life force. The sun also represents our overall vitality and it's considered to be the boss of our chart. When you look at where your house, your sun falls, in which house, you will see where you shine. So the sun also rules Leo in astrology. And this is why Leos are always noticed and popular. Leos are often actors and actresses, as they love to be in the limelight. So for example, two people may express their sons in different ways, even if they are in the same sign. So if Mary, for example, her son was in third house of Aries, and Susan had her Aries in the 10th house. They would both have Aries qualities, but they would be expressed in different areas of their life. So if you were a personality and if you were to personify the sun, it would be the captain of the football team as he shines bright
0: and he is noticed everywhere. Okay.
1: That makes sense so as long so it will be in your chart somewhere just where it represents that represents where it's at so the sun so in general since that's the giver of life the sun it represents you how you represent yourself basically once you figure out where it's at
2: okay exactly exactly so the next luminary we're going to get in so both the sun and the moon are luminaries because they shine right Mm -hmm. so the moon in astrology represents our innermost feelings. It's a place that we don't express to other people. So you're not, you're not going to be able to notice and identify a person's moon sign when you first meet them. Because it's what's kept most private. It represents a need to feel safe in the world. It's reflective and responsive and emotional. Cancer is ruled by the moon, and this is why they are so emotional. You'll often see crabs on the beach at night, just like the moon shines at night. The moon can sometimes drive a personality. So, if it's placed in a water sign, such as Pisces, Cancer, or Scorpio, you'll notice their moon sign more because they're water signs. And water is emotion. So if you were to think of the moon as a person, the moon would be that shy girl in class that sits by herself at lunch. Does that make sense to you?
1: That does make sense. And it makes sense how that drives me as a cancer, you know, um, some, some parts of my personality. I can see that.
2: Exactly, exactly. So the next sign, what next planet we're going to speak about is Mercury. Now, Mercury is the quickest planet in the zodiac. It stays in one sign anywhere from 14 to 30 days, depending on its transit. It controls everything we do with communication. So communication of our thoughts, our written communication, our verbal communication, even places on the internet and the post office are ruled by Mercury. Mercury rules the sign of Gemini and Virgo. And as such, these people are super bright and super analytical. If you had to compare Mercury in astrology to a person, you could say that Mercury is the friend that never shuts up. He talks and talks and talks and is a complete
0: busy bee. They also could be personified as the Gossip Girl. Hmm. That's interesting there. Yeah, Yeah. super bright and and analytical. Hmm.
2: Exactly, exactly. So the next planet is Mars. And Mars is our animal instinct and our aggression in astrology. It governs our drive, our determination, and energy. Many describe Mars as the leftovers of what we have of our animal instinct. Our sexual desires come from our Mars sign. And how you express your sexual desires is flavored where your Mars sits. So Mars is also the ruler of Aries in astrology. This is very fitting as Aries is the fighter and the warrior in astrology. Before Pluto was discovered, Mars also governed Scorpio. So maybe that's why people think Scorpios are fire signs, because they were also traditionally governed by Mars. So if you were to personify Mars, it would be that kid in class that always got into fights with the other guys, or even a guy that went to the party and would call you out just to punch you or smack you in the face. <laughs> Mars is pure have you ever? Mars is pure aggression and it's drive. So Mars gets you up in the morning. And it not it doesn't get you to sleep, but it gets you up in the morning and it was, gives you drive in your life. Does that make wow. sense to
1: you? Yeah, Mars the aggression. I can see that.
2: Exactly. The red planet. (laughs) So the next planet we're going to speak about is Venus. Venus is the planet of love. It's also the planet of money, romance, beauty, and art. So wherever Venus sits in your birth chart speaks to the way you express your desires and passions. It also influences you how You attract other people and how other people attract you. Venus rules Taurus and Libra in astrology, which makes sense as these signs love anything to do with love, beauty, sensuality, food, art, and just love. Venus takes 30 days, a whole month, to move from sign to sign in astrology. If Venus was a person, she would be that well read girl at school who is absolutely gorgeous and hangs out at art galleries that the football player wants and adores. Does
1: <laughs> that make so, sense for a Venus sign?
2: Exactly. So, Jupiter, in astrology, Jupiter is associated with the principles of growth and expansion and good fortune, and luck, and prosperity. It governs foreign travel, big business, religion, and even the law. Where Jupiter sits in your sign is going to show you where you can expect the most luck and expansion in your life. Jupiter is also the planet that rules Sagittarius in astrology. And this is why the sign is generally optimistic and lucky and has a large group of friends. It takes one year to move through an entire sign. So if you were to personify Jupiter, it would be the guy that wins all the academic awards
0: at the end of the year.
1: That can relate to Jupiter.
0: Exactly. exactly. I can
1: relate to Jupiter.
0: (laughs) It's an amazing sign.
2: So now we're going to get to Saturn. So Saturn is all about your moral obligations and authority. It comes up to create responsibility, boundaries, and it's all about adulting. Therefore, knowing your Saturn sign will help you create meaning in your daily routine. Saturn is all about responsibilities and authorities. It's how you express these things. Where your Saturn is placed is how you expect your, express your boundaries and do your adulting activities. Saturn is the great teacher in life. As you know, most people do not like heavy responsibilities as they find them draining and boring. However, it takes work and dedication to do anything right. And what they say in astrology is that if you treat your Saturn right and you do what Saturn says, you will be rewarded. Saturn takes roughly two and a half years to move from sign to sign. So it's very, very slow moving. Saturn rules Capricorn in astrology, and it used to rule Aquarius before Uranus was found. So if you were to personify Saturn, it would be the strict headmaster
0: that forced you to come to school on time and shouted at you in assembly if you were talking. Okay, That makes sense,
1: right? Yeah, that one right there in Saturn, that's probably like the... I would tie that into integrity also.
2: Very much so.
1: Yeah, very, like that,
2: very, very much so.
1: As soon as you explained it it, it, it was just like it went to the integrity. That would be a moral obligations, the authority. Like what I do when people are not around, that's what Saturn dictates or governs.
0: Exactly,
2: exactly. So we're going to get to the outer pants now and we're going to talk about Uranus. So Uranus is the rebel of astrology it's innovative, it's unpredictable, it's experimental and resourceful. It rules creativity and out-of-the-box scientific thinking. Its job is to break the rules and destroy structures that have been there for too long and outdated. It's all about radical change. It rules the sign of Aquarius in astrology and as discussed. Aquarians are the rule breakers and the out-of-the-box thinkers. Aquarius is very very slow sorry Uranus is very very slow and it takes roughly seven years to oh. move through a sign. If you were to personify Uranus it would be the autistic kid at school that dyes his hair pinks. It also could represent the kid's from the show the netflix show stranger things they could be described as uranian people because they're out of the box and they're different
1: okay and i can get that disinnovated yeah
2: yeah exactly
1: yeah not so the everyone, norm
2: <laughs> so so everyone's got a little bit of uranian in them you know so the next planet we're going to discuss is neptune so Neptune reveals our imagination, our psychic sensitivity, basically of sixth sense. It's quite mystical and magical. It rules over everything unknown and unseen. It's also
0: associated with things like glamour and film. <clears throat> that's quite easy to understand as glamour and film are
2: unknown and mystical and magical. And in fact, I'll tell you something quite interesting. Okay. Marilyn Monroe, so you know Marilyn Monroe? I mean, everyone knows Marilyn Monroe. She had Neptune sitting on her first house. So Neptune flavoured her mystical persona So she was completely mystical and magical. And, you know, you can just imagine the way that she spoke and she blew kisses to the audience and everyone was in awe with her and wondered, who was this woman? That was because of her Neptune. It flavored her first house. So Neptune also rules the sign of Pisces, which is quite mystical and misunderstood in astrology. Neptune is very, very slow and it takes 14 whole years to move through a sign. If you were to personify Neptune, it would be the girls from the movie The Cult that was in in the 90s, those witches. It was so <laughs> popular many, many years ago.
1: And I like and that. Then Neptune. You get to
2: the last planet. Uh oh,
1: the last through.
2: one. The last planet. And then Pluto rules regeneration, transformation, and rebirth. Even if it looks evil, it's not really evil. It's pretty neutral. It's all about transformation and metamorphosis. Having a new approach and perspective is all about what Pluto is about. It wants to transform you and to make you a better person, a new person. It helps us look at things differently and evolves our way to new ways of thinking. It rules Scorpio in astrology, and this is fitting as Scorpio is deep and transformative and even a little bit misunderstood. Pluto takes 20 years to move from sign to sign. So, right now, interestingly, Pluto is at the tail end of Capricorn, and it's about to move into the sign of Aquarius in March. So do you remember the movie Hair many years ago? Yes. And and that song that they sound, we're dawning into the age of Aquarius. And that's only happening now. Only now we are dawning into the age of Aquarius. Once Pluto moves from Capricorn to Aquarius, it's a completely new age, it's a new way of thinking, and this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. So if you were to personify Pluto, it would be like the girl at school who was a nerd one semester But then after the spring break, she came back with a new hairstyle and a new look. And all the guys are now swooning over her.
1: (laughs) I like that one.
2: You like that
1: Yeah, a complete 360.
2: It does. It makes sense, right?
1: Yes, it does.
2: If you were to think of the planets and the signs and how to blend them and mesh them with each other to try and make sense of them. You could think of the planets being actors in a movie set, and the signs are the clothes that they wear. So, for example, let's say Mars was put into the 10th house of Korea, and he puts on the clothes of Sagittarius. This would make him very determined in anything that he does in his career. He might be a lawyer. And he might be a teacher who
0: speaks about history and war and anything philosophical. So there you go. Okay. Those are the signs.
1: And I thank you for that, because that education we got there now, we know about the planets and the signs. And exactly. we're about to go, we're about to go into a topic, the houses. The houses are something that I personally want to learn about because I don't, I don't, I don't have that knowledge.
2: Yeah. it's so quite that's the most important part. People don't really understand the houses. So let me explain to you. So the Zodiac Belt is divided up into 12 houses. And each of those houses corresponds to a particular area of your life. So with regards to the most important angles in that chart, we start at the east, which is your first house. This is your ascendant or rising sign. The bottom of your chart would be considered your fourth house, and this is your most private house. Your seventh house, which is your descendant, is in the west, and your partners are represented through the descendant. Your 10th house is right in the north and right on the top of your chart, and this is considered your career house, or the house that way people know you. This is how you present yourself to the world. So let's break down the the houses in the most basic components. Thank you. Are you ready for that? Yes, we are. Okay, good. All right. So the first house was also known as the rising house. And it's rises on the eastern horizon the very first breath you took and is the most important house in astrology it is known as the house of self it dictates how you see the world how the world sees you the vibe that you give off to people it dictates your entire horoscope as your rising and ascendant sign was the Place where you were born. You can only find out what this the rising house was by the time you were born. And it changes quite quickly. So the first house changes sign approximately every two and a half hours. That's why it's important for you
0: to know the exact timing of your birth. Makes sense. Does make sense. So the second
2: house, after we're born from the first house, we have a look at what we possess. So think about it. At a basic level, after we were born, we look at our body. We look at what separates us from our mom. And we look that we have fingers and we have toes. And these are our possessions. Then when we get older, our possessions are more complicated, just like we are. And we look at our money and our home as possessions. These are our material possessions. We could even say the second house is what we value or hope to gain. For instance, if Pisces was on your second house, you might value spirituality. Or if Leo was there, you
0: might value leadership or hope to gain fame and recognition. Then we get to the third house. Just like all the other houses, it can represent a myriad
2: of things. These things include your communication, your writing, your speaking, and your talking. It also represents your early childhood schooling, short trips like across state, and the relationship that we had with our cousins, aunts. And even siblings, not with our parents though. Any planet or signs will flavour the house. So, for instance, if you had Saturn here, you may find that you have you may have felt restricted in your schooling, or maybe you didn't have the funds or opportunity to travel around the state as you would have wished you. So then we get to the most private place in the birth chart, and we get to the fourth house so the fourth house we see the home and as discussed it is the bottom of our chart and the most private in our lives we don't just let anyone in our home it's our sacred space right
0: the fourth is additionally exactly
2: the fourth is additionally your ancestry and your parents can be seen through your fourth house any planets That you have in the fourth house would flavor this house. So for instance if you had Mercury here you might have had a home that was full of communication and communication was of great importance. So then from the fourth house we look at the fifth house and the fifth house also has a lot of meaning and connotations. These include your creative expression, your dating, not your partners, but just your dating life, and your children are even seen here. Hobbies often fall under the domain of the fifth, and we can see what you are interested in. So, for example, my fifth house is in Gemini. Gemini is ruled by Mercury, and Mercury also rules communication. So, as a result, I write as a creative outlet.
1: Hey, I like that so, and that right there. That one, like that. yeah, I like that one because, it's like, the way you explained it, it let me know. Like, if I had mercury, you know, in in mine, you know, in mine in that fifth house, it could have a form of communication. Correct or
2: exactly, exactly. I must do your chart for you, so we can, you can actually understand your chart a little bit better. So then we look at the sixth house, and the sixth house has got to do with matters of your everyday life. So you work, the relationships that you have with your work colleagues also fall under the sixth domain. Health will also be seen under this domain and anything you have to do for your health. So your routines that you do, such as gym or maybe you go running Or maybe you're actually quite lazy. Maybe you have Neptune sitting in your sixth house and you actually have canned potato. You know, these things can be seen here as well. As I said, any placements would flavor this house. So perhaps Jupiter was here. And maybe you teach for a living. Or maybe you're in the travel industry, as it's got to do with your work environment. Saturn here would denote someone that likes routines,
0: and perhaps is a workaholic. So the seventh house. So everyone loves the seventh house. And it's the last personal house. It
2: deals with committed partnership and also denotes the house of your open enemies. So it's the enemies that you know about because you were committed to. So it could be your partner that you left on bad terms in business, or it could even be your husband and wife that you have divorced. Planets in this house signify what you are looking for in a relationship. So if you had Aries or Mars here, you may be looking for a partner that takes the initiative with things and is very goal orientated. If you had Uranus here or Aquarius, you may be looking for a partnership that's a little bit more unconventional and offbeat, you know. (laughs) So you're understanding what I'm saying? Oh, yes. Okay, good. All right. So then we look at the eighth house. And the eighth house is the polar opposite to the second house. So remember what I said, that the second house rules our possessions. So the eighth house would deal with other people's possessions. So if you were to look at joint finances in marriage, you would look at the eighth house. It also got to deal with death and transformation of any thought. So this could be the death of your old self, or it could literally be the death of you. Whoa. You know? A lot of astrologers don't like to touch on this, and I'm one of those astrologers. But you could perhaps see how a person was perhaps going to die through the eighth house.
0: Well, that's deep. The eighth
2: house. That's creepy, right? Planets in the eighth house flavor this house. So, for example, if you had Venus or Libra in Tor- and Taurus in this house, you're most likely to have a marriage partner that is very giving and has a decent amount of wealth and then once you've transformed you look at the ninth
0: house and the ninth house obviously follows the eighth house and all your pain would be expressed here
2: it's ruled naturally by Jupiter and Sagittarius and so it's broad it would broaden your perspective on life So the ninth house governs anything to do with higher learning, spiritual values, and religion. It also rules travel, but specifically long-distance travel. The ninth house is opposite to the third house. So the third house is all about thinking and communicating. And the ninth house is all about putting all of your thinking and communicating to good use on a higher plane. Planets here would flavor this house. So if the sun was in the ninth, perhaps this person would have a natural affinity to studying at university or learning spiritual spiritual teachings. Then we get to the 10th. And the 10th house is regarded as the career house in astrology. It is the highest point of the chart. And it's the part of the chart that people will remember us for when we're long dead and gone. Planets in the 10th house indicate the approach that the individual has towards their career and sometimes the kind of career they would even be in. So for example, I have Uranus in my 10th house. So Uranus is associated with internet and astrology. And here I am speaking about astrology to you over the internet. How coincidental. Mm -hmm. So the 11th. The 11th is known as the house of friendships and wider circle, and even the house of your wishes and dreams. Your friends and wider circles could be seen through the 11th house. It also gathers gatherings of any sorts and this includes gatherings such as gatherings in the gym or your Facebook groups could be seen through the 11th house. Again any planets here will add color and character to the house. So for instance if one had their Venus placed here you could assume that they're super popular and they are very
0: well loved amongst their peers. Then we're going to get to the 12th house. So the 12th house is the last and final house
2: in the Zodiac chart. And it is known for the house of the subconscious and the unseen. Us as mere mortals cannot fully comprehend what the 12th house is actually all about because we're not spiritual enough to even comprehend it. It's also known as the house of hospitals and ashrams. Any planets here, again, would give the house a different dimension and color it. So let's say a person's Mars is here. They may find it difficult expressing their anger as their anger is in the background and it's unseen. So they may suffer with being passive aggressive or angry. Where someone that has their Venus here might be very private about their love and romantic lives. So what are the questions that you have for me?
1: All right. So, wow, that's a lot to go into in all those houses. So let me ask you this about the houses when you incorporate them into these readings for someone. Like... There's so many different aspects. So when you do, and this is just about time and frequency with actually a reading. So if you did a reading for someone today, their reading next week will be completely different. Correct?
2: Well, that is their transit. So what the birth chart is the basis of any kind of a chart. So what happens is your birth chart is like a snapshot of your life. like Picture it as like a little Polaroid of your life. Okay. Then subsequently life carries on, right? And the planets circle your birth chart. And what happens is the planet make aspects. So the planet looks at certain planets in your chart through aspect, and they create a frequency, a vibe, and an energy with your chart. So that's how you basically understand the planets and the signs in your everyday life and how they, how you can make sense of it. So at the basics, at the, the real basics, you have to understand your birth chart to really understand how the transits are going to affect you in your life.
1: Okay. Now let's get a little personal about you real quick. Cause we, uh, Pay homage to this news magazine. Uh, 2020, it's a TV show in the U.S. Barbara uh, Walters is on there. She's the greatest uh, reporter that ever lived. And Diane Sawyer and um, John Stossel are on there. So here's some personable questions real quick. These are just real quick outside of astrology. So my question with you doing these readings, how much of a energy toll does this take on you? Is this very overwhelming when you do these for people? Does it take a lot out of you to do these sometimes or do you have a special way of setting aside energy for these?
2: I think that you have to, you know, I actually, it's funny that you, you're you saying this because I listened to a little, uh, I think it was a YouTube clip the other day. And when you're doing a reading, you're really opening yourself up to a person's energy and you have to find a way to close that. So it's like almost like a psychologist would have with um, their client that you take their energy in, but at the end of the day, you have to find a way in yourself and a part of yourself to be able to disassociate yourself because otherwise you just take everyone's energy in for the good and the bad. So it's just a way of disassociating yourself. But once you do get into chart reading, you do read a person's energy, and you can pick up their energy, especially when you're doing a one-on-one reading with someone. It's so personal, and you almost have to, what well, I do at least, decompress after a reading and center myself after reading because it becomes quite a personal. Um, journey and an exploration on another people's person's life and another person's energy
1: okay okay and i want to tell you real quick thank you for enlightening us and giving us this education into astrology now when someone contacts you like we'll get over to that aspect when someone contacts you Initially, there's certain things that they have to set forth with you, which they can do. Uh, definitely, when you head over to her website, which she, I'll get her to plug real quick. Uh, could you plug that real fast?
2: Okay, it's grandtrine.co.
1: Okay, so definitely make sure y'all head over there, and um, she can help you. So when someone comes to you, y'all go through all the jargon and get everything established, and you do the reading. You know, you become a part of this person's life. Um, Is there a continued plan after you've done uh, what you do for them, for them to come back to you at a later date? Or is it something that it just depends on the the person or...
2: I'm always open to questions because there's so much to take into, let's say, a natal chart reading and people discover so much about themselves. Sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming. So I'm always open to a person emailing me um, and saying, Lisa, you know, I thought about X, Y and Z in the reading and how do I make sense of X, Y and Z? And they're more than welcome to contact me again. What another popular reading to do in astrology is to call, is called a solar chart reading. So a cho- a solar chart reading is also derived from the exact birth time of a person, except it's done, you know, year after year. So let's say I was. I'm born on the 10th of April, 1975. So around about the 10th of April, 1975, the sun, it, well, in this year, the sun would fall in the exact position as it was at my birth, but the other planets wouldn't. That's would fall in different houses. And then what you do is you'd use that as a snapshot to be able to look at a person's energy for the year going forward. So if you're looking at A continuation of your astrology chart, you would then come for perhaps a solar reading. So, we'd use your time of birth for the specific year that you want to read for, and would be able to use predictive techniques so you can actually predict what kinds of energies you could expect for the forthcoming year. Okay. Interesting. Eh? That
1: is interesting. Now, so, uh, I'll listen. At the end of the day, after you're done with everything you're done, doing, the astrology, the universities, how do you make time for yourself? And, and, and when I say this, I'm not talking about the self-care aspect, because that's something that people have um, analyzed way too hard and they put too much into it. But like, Like for me, for instance, because of the way that I produce this show, I have a lot of free time. I don't we don't. Keep ourselves tied up in this because you—you can tell I can pretty much answer a conversation any time of day or night, just because I, I have certain structure to it. So, do you have to have structure to what you do in life, or do you just do it randomly? And is that how you keep yourself in control? No, or
2: absolutely not. At night, I completely switch off. So, at night, um, I usually—I'm always at night, actually open my iPad and watch some Netflix and listen to music and um, I completely chill out. My moon sign is actually uh, Pisces and Pisces are known for absolutely loving music and just letting their mind wander and I have absolutely no problem with just shutting off and letting my mind wander into the abyss. And that's exactly how I do it. And with a lot of sleep as well, sleep is very, very important to me. And getting to bed at a certain time and waking up and having structure in my life, um is very important to me as well so it's also a part of how I decompress and at night and how I welcome my day in the next day is that I always welcome it in by going to gym in the morning with my husband and having a cup of coffee with him in the morning and just creating structure throughout my day so yeah that's me in a nutshell okay
1: and I thank you for that Lisa now it comes to the end of our show now and I want to thank you so much for coming on talking oh, to us a about
2: pleasure it. a pleasure being here and I hope to come on soon again to chat about um, more complex astrological aspects to with you and so you can get to understand astrology even more
1: right and what we hope that comes from this is that we get this illustrious astrological podcast out of you in the near future. Um, I put that challenge out there to you um, in the audience would love to hear you've done an amazing job on this episode here. And the one thing that the audience will not know, but some will know some see this live right now as we're sitting here. Some people are seeing or will hear this and some people will see video. Cause like we've talked about, we have to do it in all aspects so that we don't miss anybody. And people will also be able to get this in a transcript also. So On that note, I'm going to leave this quick testimonial here about Lisa. Lisa does something that is very hard in the world, and that's astrology. Astrology, when I say it's hard, it's not the conceptual aspect of reading things and doing reports and helping people along their journey. It's actually getting past the skepticism, getting past the the parts that people choose not to get an education one. That's the whole sole reason why I wanted to do this episode because or episodes, because people now have a better understanding. I have a better understanding. Not a deeper. If you want a deeper one, to go um at least up over in her multiple channels and learn more. I definitely encourage that. But I have a general basis now. So when I come back to you and we come to another show at a later date, I have fundamentals. Fundamentals, people, no matter what the aspect is in life, are the groundwork for your education. So stay fundamentally sound, and you have no reason to not have fundamentals. So on that note, I'm JR from West Virginia and Commonplace, and Lisa Snyder, which I'll let her say a goodbye to you all.
2: Uh, Thank you so much for allowing me on this podcast, and I'm so excited for the future and educating you more on Astrochi.
1: And that being said, we are signing
0: off.